0: You know, it's the height of summertime and of vacation season. I see some people here that just got back from vacation, going out west, and we all enjoy taking some time. So either you've already taken it, or you're getting ready to take it, or you're dreaming about taking a vacation, right? That's where we all are. I remember a few vacations more vividly than others, but it may not be for the reason that you might expect. Sometimes we like to go on a vacation where everything turns out perfectly, right? Where you go to Hawaii or something incredible like that and everything is just perfect. And we remember those. But there's those other times where things don't exactly turn out according to plan that happen. I remember... As a young boy heading to Wisconsin, and we were traveling in a golden white van, very similar to this van right here. And they, 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 these are incredible vans, right? You know, they, they, they were all over the road, literally all over the road. And, and so we were traveling to, to Wisconsin and about this town called Nina, Wisconsin, which is... Um, Just south of Oshkosh In that particular area We began to have some radiator problems So we had to pull off And go to a park Now to a bunch of 8 and 10 year olds Which me and my brothers and sisters were We were just having a blast Just playing in the park While my stepdad is trying to Fill the radiator with water But you gotta be cautious Because of course it's hot And it might boil over We just had fun I don't know how long we were there It seemed like it was hours but you know we eventually get to our spot but i do remember that particular trip another trip i remember and this is one that this really stuck in my mind is a traveling to missouri around the Christmas time to go see my great-grandma Leach. And we were really excited about this because we would go down to her place and there was a lot of woods and there was a lake there and we could play hockey on the lake and that was a blast. We just had a fantastic time. It's probably about 1982. It's one of the coldest winters I think we ever had that I can remember. On our way back, we ran into something that maybe my parents knew about but didn't want to tell the kids about, a huge snowstorm, and it was coming across Iowa as we were traveling back to the Quad Cities to the point where the roads were impassable, and the state troopers said, if you pull in over here at this particular church here, they will give you shelter for the night, they'll give you food, and they'll take care of you, so I remember going into this church that I had never been to before and having some soup and some sandwiches and Down in a sanctuary, like this is just the weirdest thing. Why do you sleep in church? You know, don't do that. Um, So, and and in the morning we had breakfast. Everything was fine. The roads were clear, and we took off. And it's one of those trips that I remember. But I wonder what kind of storms are we facing today? Maybe it's a health scare. You've been to the doctor recently, and they told you some news that you weren't expecting. Maybe it's a relationship situation, something that kind of hits you out of the blue. Maybe it's financial, or you're looking for a job. These are situations that happen to us, and it's sometimes unknowing what's going to happen once we walk outside our door. But I can tell you this, and this is kind of where we're going with our sermon today, is that Jesus is with us during the storms of life. Can you say that with me? Jesus is with us during the storms of life. In the Gospels, we have a story about the sovereignty of Jesus Christ and how he was showing his disciples that he knew what was coming and had already taken care of his disciples, even though the event had not yet occurred. That's an amazing thing. This significant event Is recorded in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. It's in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And if you read the Edgewood reading plan, you read that this morning. And in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. So that we could understand just how it impacted. The disciples. We're going to read Luke's account today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, or you can follow along with the words that will be on the screen, and we're going to work our way through the passage. First of all, we find out that there is a storm that is brewing, verses 22 and 23. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, and they were in danger. In this passage, we see that Jesus and his disciples are going to take a boat trip to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. How many of you like to take boat trips? You like to be out on the sea. I was talking to a lady after the last service, and she told me about the most horrible time that she had out on the sea. And I've been on trips like that where you've been out on the sea and everything is just just fine and dandy and like man I can go out on the boat every single weekend this is great and then there are other times where it's not quite that way. But Jesus said let's go to the other side of the lake and the interesting thing about Jesus said he already knew what was going to happen on this particular day. But he said, let's go anyway. We're going to go across to the other side of the lake, not telling the disciples what was going to happen. This is a trip that the disciples and Jesus had probably made a few different times because their ministry happened around the Sea of Galilee, so they were either on one side or the other, and they would have to cross back and forth, whether they traveling 13 miles to go all the way around to the other side of the lake. So this is something that they had done a few times, and Jesus decided, hey, we're going to take a boat trip. I'm going to take a rest. So he sits down, he lays down, and he begins to sleep. A number of years ago, I went on a home missions trip to Montana uh, to go help the, the family called the Bunyans, and that they had a ministry to the Blackfeet Indians. So we were out there, and uh, what was really neat about this is that we get the opportunity to help build a pole. Barn, about a 20 by 40 foot structure. I had no idea how to build a pole barn, but I was glad that the people that were with me on the trip knew exactly what was going on. I was going along for moral support or to, to haul sheet metal different places or go get this. So I was kind of the grunt guy, and I really enjoyed that. We took a van to go there. I'm always, all my adventures happen in vans for some reason. And um, the van was. Um, Rigged up in the back so that you could have luggage on the bottom and they built a platform that you could have a mattress on top So two people could sleep in the back two people could sleep in the seats And then you have the driver who's not supposed to be sleeping and then the passenger that's up there trying to keep the guy awake so I'm in the back. It's probably nine o'clock at night and Dave and I are in the back of the van. We're we're sleeping on the mattress Weird things go through your mind when you sleep, right? Sometimes you, you feel like you're accelerating, and then you feel like you're weaving back and forth, and then you realize that you really are accelerating, and you really are going back and forth at a very fast rate of speed. I wake up, Dave wakes up, there's fear and concern on both of our faces, and then all of a sudden we start to laugh and then we're concerned again because we realize that the guy who's driving is weaving in and out of Minneapolis traffic as fast as he can because everyone's going 90 miles an hour because back then the speed limits had gone up, but in Minneapolis, apparently, they they didn't slow down in the middle of town. I don't know. And... Uh, We finally got through there, safe and sound. We got to a rest area, which we needed very desperately at that particular point of our journey, and we decided that the guy who was driving would never drive in again, and he took the back seat for the rest of the trip. The Bible tells us that a windstorm came down on the lake and on the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake in the world, it's surrounded by mountains, and occasionally weird things can happen, and windstorms would happen as well, and this would not have been something that the fishermen had never experienced before. They'd been out on this lake. This is where they, their jobs were. They had experienced storms before but this storm was a little bit different than anything else that they had experienced. Perhaps the boat was moving around more violently than it ever had before. Maybe um, water was coming in the boat more quickly than they had ever seen it before, and they have the little buckets, and they're trying to get the water out, and they're realizing that... It's not going like it should. And maybe they start picking lots. Like, who are we going to throw off the boat first, you know? It's not going to be Jesus. He's sleeping back here. I don't know what was going on, but there was something about this storm that really had them concerned. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, he uses a Greek word for the storm called seismos, which is where we get the word seismograph from, which is what we get the readings for in earthquake. So literally, Matthew was describing this as an earthquake event on the lake which was shaking so violently that they all feared for their lives and they thought that they were all going to die. The situation was bad. It was horrible. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Have you ever been in a storm where you felt that way? And I'm not necessarily talking about a physical storm out there. But have you ever felt like the boat that you were in was filling with water too quickly? That the wind was blowing far stronger than you ever could imagine? That as you looked around, you couldn't see Jesus anywhere? It does seem that way sometimes. But let me tell you that it's never a hopeless situation. You know how I know that? Because Jesus is with us during the storms of life. Let's say that again. Jesus is with us during the storms of life. When I was in college, I had the opportunity to work for Little Debbie. Yeah, Little Debbie Snack Cakes down in College Dale, Tennessee. I love that particular place. I worked as a forklift driver eventually, and I... I love that job Because you would get to go through the whole plant And smell all those foods that they were baking And let me tell you A brownie that just comes off the line Tastes so much better than the brownie That you pick out of the package The, pri- the package is really good It ser- certainly is But when it comes off of the line It's nice and crunchy and hot And you have a big old glass of milk with it And it tastes so good And um When you're working your tail off every single day and it's 135 to 160 in different parts of the plant, you you can eat as much as you want and it doesn't really matter. Well, one day, as part of my job, it was on Monday, and I was cleaning up something that somebody had left the night before or probably the weekend before. So they're called billy cans. And a billy can is probably about, three feet wide by three feet this direction, and they come with lids, and you fill them with food waste. At the end of the week, you you put, you know, this is all the... oatmeal cream pies that we had left over, or this is the ingredients that we dump out of different um, mixing agents. So they they put these all in these bins, and we put them on a trailer, and they go to a hog farm. They feed them to the hogs, and then we eat the hogs, and then you wonder why the hogs taste so good, because they're eating little debbies. So while I am doing picking up this mess, because there was probably... Eight big stacks of these. So I, I get into you know, my habit and pick up one, you know, two, uh, a pallet that has two containers on it and take it and put it in the trailer. Now that went pretty well, so I go and I grab another one and put it on. By the fourth one, I'm really in my game and I got this all figured out. And I begin to turn a corner and I realize that whoever had stacked these pallets did it wrong. You're supposed to put the heavier container on the bottom, the lighter one on top. They didn't this particular day. So as I'm going around the corner, the top billy can begins to shift, and I begin to see it in slow motion going and falling off of the top. I'm like, oh, boy, this is going to be horrible. And it hits the ground, and it pops it didn't have in it what I expected it to have. Oatmeal pies would have been easy to clean up. There was liquid marshmallow cream in this thing, and when it hit the ground, it exploded and went everywhere. I, I'm in fear. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to lose my job. I just spilled this, and it's, it's all over the place. Fortunately, two um, people from the... Um, Environmental service department had just walked by like, hey, can you guys help me? I just ran into a problem. They look at it, they laugh at me, and like, all right, we'll help you clean it up. And in, in a matter of hours, <laughs> we cleaned up this mess that was everywhere. I felt horrible about it. You know, the disciples were fearing for their safety. And they needed to reach out to somebody to help them in their moment of panic. So we see them doing that in verse 24, and it says, And they went, and they woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Pastor Harold Sagan said this, There are two storms in that lake that night. There was a storm in the lake, and there was a storm in the heart of the disciples. The disciples, for whatever reason, wanted to navigate through the situation without waking Jesus up. No doubt Jesus was physically recharging his batteries. He had just had a huge day of preaching and teaching, and he needed to relax. He needed to rejuvenate. So they were going to try to let him sleep as long as he needed to. The disciples just didn't want to wake him up. Because you know why? Because you never know how people will react when you wake them up. Some people, when you wake them up, are calm and happy, and they have a smile on their face. Oh, good morning. Thank you for waking me up. Other people are shocked, right? Like, oh, he woke me up. And um, they can be frightened, Still others, when you wake them up, they're angry or upset. Why would you wake me up? And they say all these crazy things. And chances are, from the laughter that I've heard, is that we've all experienced maybe one, two, or three of those kind of things. This is why I never woke my dad up. Well, whatever hesitancy the disciples may have had, they followed through. They decided, we're going to wake him up because we fear for our own lives Jesus, we're going to explain to you what's going on. And they tried to wake him up. And they said, Master, Master, we are perishing. And then something amazing happened. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. When Jesus woke up, he sprang into action, and he did two amazing things. The first thing is that he rebuked the wind. He ordered it to stop blowing on them. Literally, it means be muzzled. So you have a dog that's barking too much or kind of growling a bunch. You put a muzzle on it so it can't do that. That's what Jesus was telling the wind Be muzzled. You need to behave, do what you're supposed to do. Then he rebukes the raging waves. It was an astounding thing that these fishermen, these guys that had been on the lake, had seen because Jesus told the wind and the waves to stop, and they instantly stopped. S. Lewis Johnson wrote this. He said, And what a tremendous encouragement that is for a Christian to know that while Jesus is able to sleep in the storm, he cannot sleep when his disciples come with need for help. This was evidence that Jesus is with us during the storms of life. Let's say that together again. Jesus is with us during the storms of life. I enjoy walking and running by the Mississippi River. Um, Sometimes the river's flowing you know, kind of nice. Just like a normal river, you can kind of see the waves kinda of coming down. And it, it it looks it looks pretty nice and pretty calm. Maybe get on the channel cat and you can ride across and it's it's nice. Other times if you go down there when the wind is coming strongly out of the west, it can blow that river backwards and it looks very tumultuous, like it's going to, you know, jump over the banks and, and destroy you. That looks pretty bad. Occasionally though, I have run down by the river and it is Completely calm. Well, you can see reflections of the bridge right on the water, and that's an amazing thing to be able to see that. That's exactly the type of view that the disciples were experiencing on the Sea of Galilee after being in the midst of this horrible storm. They saw it completely calm, and they're at peace because. They know where they were going, and they had fear of what was going to happen to them, and then all of a sudden, it was gone. When Jesus had calmed the storm, he then spoke to his disciples, and we see a little bit of scrutiny that's going on. He says this to them, "'Where is your faith?' And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, "'Who then is this?' that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him. Jesus was asking his disciples a very simple question, and it was this, you know, what's wrong? What's going on? Our natural thoughts would have been, Jesus would have said, why are you so afraid? As dads, isn't that what we sometimes do to our kids? Why are you so afraid of this particular thing? Just pick up that snake. It's not going to bite you. You know, and then it does, you know. Or perhaps, why are you so worried or concerned? Everything's going to be okay. Jesus doesn't do any of that. He cuts right to the chase, right to the heart of the matter, and he says, "Where is your faith?" It's a very simple question that Jesus asked them was, "Do you really trust me? I've been with you for a long time. You've seen me do miracles. You've heard me preach. You." Even saw me feed 5,000 people. Where is your faith? Do you think that I would let something terrible happen to you while we're out here on this lake? Why do you think I was sleeping on the boat? Did you really think something was going to happen? So he really questions them. Where is your faith? The disciples responded to Jesus' question by having two interesting emotions. The first one, they were afraid They had the Greek word there that says phobos, which is where we get the word phobia from. They were frightened. They were very alarmed at what was going on. And then it turns very quickly to marveling. They were in wonder or in admiration of what had just happened to them to the point where they begin to question one another and asking this question said, who then is this that commands even the wind and the water and they obey him. They were wanting to know who Jesus was because he could speak to the wind, he could speak to the water, and it listened attentively to him, and it heeded, and it conformed to the authority of Jesus. This is something that they had never seen before, and it truly amazed them. They needed to be reminded that Jesus is with us during the storms of life. Let's say that again. Jesus is with us during the storms of life. So what kind of lessons can we learn from our passage today? Number one, Jesus cares for us and can help us in the trials of our lives. It really doesn't matter if the situation that we're in is small or if it's large Jesus wants to be our Savior, and he wants to get us through each and every trial that comes our way. We tend to only seek Jesus out when things are really, really bad. Isn't that how we generally act, because I know that's how I am, is that we only go to Jesus when things are really bad or when we really need something, just like we go to Dad about the things that we really need, or or maybe we go to Dad about everything. That's what we need to do is we want to go to Jesus about everything that's going on in our lives, every trial that happens. Number two, we need to understand that Christ is in control of everything in our lives If we could just take a step back and remember that Christ is in control, that would make a tremendous difference in our lives as we go through each and every day. Not only is Jesus in control of the good times, but he's also in control of the not-according-to-plan times. And we've had a ton of those in our lives, especially this last year. I know we have. Number three. We will all experience storms. No matter who we are or where we're going in our lives, we're going to have storms. Recently on America's Got Talent, there was a woman named Jane Marzeski who was auditioning for a part. Uh, When she introduced herself to the judges, she revealed to them that she was struggling with cancer. Uh, But she was going to live her life in spite of the fact that she might not survive. It was like a 2% chance. So she sang a song that she had written called It's Okay, which is about people going through a variety of different events, but it was okay to cry. When she concluded her song, the judges and the audience were still for about two seconds, and then all of a sudden you heard loud applause. Everyone stood up in the room, including the judges, just clapping and cheering on this lady and the performance that she had given. They let the different judges give their take on the performance of the lady, and then Simon Cowell comes up. If you ever watched the show before, Simon Cowell can be a little bit jagged at times. But as Simon begins to explain his thoughts on it, he begins to tear up a little bit. And he begins to to choke up, and he says, "I am not going to pass you on to the next round." And everybody is like, "boo!" And you hear the crowd just reacting to that. And then he, you can see him choking up. I'm going to do something better for you. And he reaches over and he hits the golden buzzer, and then confetti falls from the sky, and. She doesn't have to go on to the next round. She gets to go to the finals. And she's just so excited about that. Later that week, Jane, better known as Nightbird, shared that she was a Christian, that she had attended Liberty University, and that she had trusted in Jesus Christ. She said this, It's important that everyone knows that I am so much more than the bad things that happen to me. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. She also said, I believe that God can heal in one instant. I also believe that no good thing does he withhold. So there was something God was growing in the field that is me. And if God had pulled up all of this hardship too soon it would have also pulled up all these miracles that he did in my spirit. What an amazing woman who understood that Jesus is in the boat with her. Number four, when we go through a storm, it's best to have Jesus in the boat with us. Sometimes we feel more at ease when we have the right things with us. If you have a child You want to make sure that you have that special blanket, that you have that toy, that book, the iPad, or whatever it is, so that that journey can go by. Well, if you're an adult, you need to have identification, especially if you're going to the airport, right? Right. You need money. You need your wallet. You need your purse. You need all of these things to make you feel comfortable and so that you have the the basic things that you need. I'm a runner. I like to... Track my run so I have an Apple Watch where I can try to track my run. You've got to have the right things to give you comfort. When we're going through the trials of life, we need to make sure that Jesus is with us on the same boat so that he can be with us as we go through the trials. The thing is, is that we need to get in Jesus' boat and not invite Jesus onto our boat. That's a totally different perspective. We also need to... Number five, grow in our awareness of who Jesus is. Every day we need to remind ourselves of who Jesus is. He longs for his children to put their trust in him and to follow him and to allow him to be the true authority in our lives. Jesus was in the boat with the disciples, and he was in the captain's chair, and they just needed to remember that. In his book, The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis, a book I thoroughly enjoyed as a child and continue to enjoy today, has a a chapter in it about Shasta. Shasta's the main character in the the book, and it's about his life and about all the trials and things that are just going on in this boy's life. And uh, he's on a quest right now to get to Arkenland um, to tell the King Loon that an invading army is coming, that they're going to attack them. Uh, he finally reaches them. He gives them the information. King Loon says, hey, get on this, this horse right here, and we're going to ride tonight, uh, up to Arkenland, and this is all going to be good. And he gets on the horse and realizes, I don't know how to ride a horse, and this is not going to be a good journey. So as they start to head down, the horse starts getting slower and slower and starts meandering up this mountain pass. And then, of course, it starts getting dark, and then a fog comes in, and he's still journeying, like, I got to get there. I got to tell them what's going to happen. I got to get safe. And then all of a sudden, in the fog, he begins to hear a voice. And it scares him. It would scare me, too, to be walking, and all of a sudden you hear a voice that you don't recognize, and begins to talk to him. What's your problem, Shasta? Uh, I'm scared. What are you scared about? Well, there's been lions out here, and I got chased by lions. Like, oh, lions are, that can be scary. And he's really concerned about what was going. And then Aslan responds to him, and this is his response. Listen to this. I was the lion, who forced you to join with Erebus. I was the cat who comforted you among the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you while you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mile so that you should reach King Loon in time. And I was the lion, you do not remember, who pushed the boat in which you lay a child near death so that it came to shore where a man sat wakeful at midnight to receive you. The incidents that Shasta perceived as misfortune were orchestrated by Aslan for a divine purpose, to get him exactly where he needed to be, to be that place where he could give the message at exactly the right time to the king. And there's more to the book, and you need to read it to find out what happens. The next thing, Jesus won't always calm our storms, but he can help calm you. It would be great if we never had to go through a storm in our life. The truth of the matter is that we're either going through a storm right now, we just got out of a storm, we're getting ready to go into a storm. It really doesn't matter. What does matter is that knowing that Jesus Christ is with us and wants to go through that storm so that he can calm us as we go through it. Scott Curpain wrote a song a few years ago that addresses this, and it's called Sometimes He Calms a Storm, and I want to read the verses to you. It says this, "'All who sail the sea of faith find out before too long "'how quickly blue skies can grow dark "'and gentle winds grow strong. "'Suddenly fear is like white water pounding on the soul. "'Still we sail on knowing that God is in control.'" Sometimes he calms the storm with a whispered, Peace be still. He can settle any sea, but it doesn't mean that he will. Sometimes he holds us close and lets the wind and waves go wild. Sometimes he calms the storm, and other times he calms his child. He has a reason for each trial that we pass through in life, and though we're shaken, we cannot be pulled apart from Christ. No matter how the driving rain beats down on those who hold to faith, a heart of trust will always be a quiet, peaceful place. We're all going to experience troubles and trials in our lives. Either we're going to panic when we get into them, or we can have peace. It all depends on who we have placed in the captain's chair of our lives. Whether we realize that he is there, active, and engaged in every aspect of our life, or whether he's there sleeping. The disciples saw the Lord sleeping in there, but he was with them. He knew what was going to happen. And we need to remind ourselves that God is with us, no matter what is happening in our life. If you don't have Christ in your life, may I invite you to do so uh, this weekend. It'll make a big difference. Let us pray. Jesus, we want to thank you for being a God who not only knows what is happening in our lives, but that you are also willing to be part of our lives. Help us to depend on you more and more each day and to allow you to be the captain of our lives. For those who are listening today who have never asked Jesus to be part of their life, I pray that you would draw them to yourself, that they would admit that they need forgiveness for the sins that they have committed, that they would believe that Jesus paid the price for their forgiveness when he died on the cross, that they would ask you to take the place of leadership in their lives so that they would follow Christ. Jesus, thank you for all that you have done and for all that you will continue to do in our lives in the future. In Jesus' name, Amen.